Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Ryan Nation? It's been a while, but we're back with another episode of the Rush Podcast. What's up with that music right there, though, man? It's been a while. Waiting. You're waiting to see Podcast. podcast. Alex, Alex, I got a song for this, too. What's up? <laughs> Alex is waiting all day to use that as the cue music right now for the Rush Podcast. We're back. You like how I faded weeks. that out, too, huh? Uh, hope y'all can understand. Uh, it's been it's been a rough few weeks for for all of us in Minor Nation, but uh, plus work. I've been busy as hell with yeah, work. That's, that's I, the real thing. Monday night has been the only night I've been available, and I'm doing the the Conference USA podcast with Dave. Shout out to Dave. But yeah, it's been a it's been a good weekend. And if if you're trying to listen to a podcast that's gonna tell you everything's gonna be all right because UTEP won two and zero, oh, this is the wrong place for you. <laughs> it was a good weekend. Uh, I don't even know if we want to say it was a good weekend. It was a productive weekend. No, it was a good weekend. No, it was a good weekend. Even the cow- yeah. even at the Cowboys? No, was- come on. Ah, I was waiting. You know, I was waiting. I didn't even sit and preach. I was waiting. Oh, man, dude. I'm still trying to piece my life back together with that one. Hey, you know what? Like, I'm one of the biggest Cowboy haters, but you know what? That was Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the- I don't think there's anything the Cowboys could have done I could do. I could do a whole hour and a half, probably more than that, yeah. two, three-hour podcast on that game. And so, I was I would so, listen, so, so I was going to listen. Let's just not even go there. <laughs> Let's just not even go there. Don't get me started, please, for, for my own sake. Well, we got a lot to talk about. I, I, I'm fired up to talk a little football. Obviously, we'll get into basketball first. There's a lot of happenings that happen in football that really that need to be talked about, obviously. But basketball is where we're going to start. Um, but before Thursday hit, I mean, gosh, 12, win, 12, 12 wins in a row. I wish 12 wins in a row. 12 losses in a row. And... I mean, it was bad. It, it, it was it was bad. You know, it's funny because towards the end of that losing streak, you could tell that this team was just getting frustrated because yeah. they were playing better, they were closer. But, I mean, it's the same issues that we've kind of talked about and talked about and talked about and hammered and hammered with, whether it's Tim Floyd, the lack of, of, of production coming off the bench, the lack of depth. Obviously, those are the, the main ones. But, you know, it was just good to see these kids celebrate. I think that was the, the more than, than putting a win in the win column more than snapping the win streak, to seeing those kids react to that last-second shot in a game that, honestly, I mean, that game should, that shouldn't have even gotten into overtime. I mean, that's a 15-point game during an 18-0 run, seven minutes left in the game. And, I mean, the, you're playing a Florida international team without their leading score. They really weren't, they, they weren't effective in anything they did the first, what, 33 minutes of the game. And all of a sudden, it, it's a typical Tim Floyd comeback. They go four corners. They slow it down. Turnovers and, and happen, started, and then the other team starts and, whopping threes. And it started, though, because Kelvin Jones was playing really well. Great And he was a big part of that, of that run there. And, and for some reason, you know, you're up 14, and, and Tim Floyd decides to bring Ivan Venegas off the bench. And it's like, I mean, what, a guy that, that rarely even gets playing time, you know, 
and you're going to bring him in in that situation, seven minutes left, like you're trying to close out this game. And you're like you said, it's just typical Tim Floyd comeback, typical Tim Floyd fashion. And typical Tim Floyd You stop the momentum. You stop the momentum. And instead of playing to win, you play not to lose, and you almost lost this game. And to be honest with you, I was sitting in the stands – pretty much rooting yeah. for us to lose because Tim Floyd as a coach did not deserve that. We're not going for the players because the players deserve, they need the, those wins. They're working hard out there. They're giving it all. So I, for them, I'm happy. But for Tim Floyd, I wish if it was possible, that man would not win another game because he does not deserve the wins the way this guy's been coaching this program. I, there's no other way to say it for me. No doubt about it. And when I ask him about this, it's, when you're talking about, when you're running down the typical, it was a typical Tim Floyd answer. I asked him after the game, as we were talking about, you know, what's up with the stretch and, and what does he do? Oh, well, Ivan only played one strip of the floor and, and if we didn't have missed free throws or missed lit, you know, so obviously turning it to the players uh, instead of saying, you know what, look, I, maybe I should have three more minutes, just let them go. Yep. Because really that's what, like, at four minutes, at a four minute mark, yes, you slow it down. Why? Because FIU is depleted and you have a 15 point lead, but with mm-hmm. seven minutes to go and you're not that good yourself, Put your damn foot on the gas and yeah, blow this. That, honestly, I think that would have paid more dividends for this team to blow somebody out than it was to go into a Agreed. double overtime thriller. That was great. And, and, and who knows, maybe that's what they needed. But I felt at the time the confidence, that, like you mentioned, uh, Kelvin Jones played a tremendous stretch of defense during that run. I mean, that's something that you continue. You let him play two, three more minutes. And I know Floyd has a, a minute managing situation because – Artist is playing 37-plus minutes. Uh, and I noticed the last game, Floyd will refuse to have both Omega and, and Dominic off the floor at the same time. And that's obviously smart. Both of them are playing 37. Yeah, and, and you also have Paul Thomas who's played 30-plus minutes. So I get, you know, you're trying to manage minutes with about an eight to nine guy. And that ninth guy, like Floyd mentioned, Benegas is going to run up the floor once or twice before a media timeout. And I think that's maybe what he was doing because the media timeout was coming. But come on now. I mean, and and fast forward to Saturday, you know, I was impressed that this team was able to kind of do what they've, what we've seen under Tim Floyd when they've had post guys like a John Bohannon, like like a Cedric Lane, where they're forcing the ball inside and everything's kind of opened up and buckets are easy. But at the same time, it's just, Team is, is really, really wants to play that style. It's not their strength. It's it's not what two guards like we mentioned, Omega Harris and Dominic Artis, having just ridiculous production seasons. I mean, you, sometimes they, you know they won whatever. We can sit here and complain they outscored them forty to twenty four in, in the paint. But at the same time, it, that's another game where I felt like Floyd got in the way of his team to being able to push out a four or five point lead into a ten. 12-point victory, and, and it's just kind of a circle of life thing. So, you know, it, it's good to see these kids kind of respond in a sense. And, and, and my biggest takeaway, honestly, out of this whole weekend was Paul Thomas. Paul Thomas showed up. This is a guy, mm-hmm. when, when they recruited Paul Thomas, I was high on this guy. I was saying, you know what, this is a legit four-star guy. Finally, he showed up like a legit four-star guy, finishing around the rim, rebounding, being effective on defense. And to me, that was the biggest takeaway of anything. Forget the wins, forget the X's and O's. Just Paul Thomas kind of rising his level of play against lesser competition because this be face it. I mean, those I, we I watched three of the worst teams in the nation last weekend. You know what I mean? So, but, but just to see Paul Thomas being able to step up his production game, go 19 and 11 on Thursday, and I think he had like 14 and 8 on Saturday. That's huge for UTEP going forward, and it's crazy to think that two three years ago we're sitting here in this podcast, maybe over there in Central, not here particularly, but we're talking about. 
oh, let's get in that top four seed. Let's get that top four seed. This is what it's going to take. Now we're talking about let's get that 12 seed. Let's get that 11 seed. And, and it's just crazy how times have turned, but it is what it is regardless. Now we can't miss a podcast without talking about Tim Floyd's job situation because that's just what we do. But I'm gonna, I, I've been wanting to, to kind of push this out uh, – pose this question to you over the past couple of weeks, because I don't want to say we're exclusive, like, oh, we're the only ones that know, but we've seen it firsthand. And that's being at a Tim Floyd practice. Like you've been there. I've been there. Like my question to you is you've seen how demanding that Tim Floyd practice is. And we've had John Bohannon talk to us and go on record talking about how difficult it is. This transfer problem, this Tim Floyd isn't able to connect problem. Do you feel, and I, cause I feel this way. And I want your opinion. Do you feel like it starts, when that first practice, when, when so-and-so has been told you're great your whole life, he hasn't really had that type of practice. And you go to a Tim Floyd practice and, and you lollygag on a layup and a layup drill and your ass gets ripped. Yeah. Do you think that is kind of what starts that tearing down of a player where he wants to transfer, where, he, where a Tymon Howard, a Josh Brown, those type of guys is what I'm talking about. Those I guys think, that, 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 that has to do with a lot of things, but more than anything, I, I think, and this is just complete speculation, but I think Tim Floyd's not being real with his players. Like when it comes to, he, he's, he's out there recruiting them and they're probably promising these kids the world. You know what I'm saying? He's had, a, I, I don't understand how with the lack of success that he's had here. And I, I'm happy that it's happening, but you still to this day, see him signing some pretty damn good yeah. talent. And it's like, the, the, what is he telling these kids to get them in here? And so I think that's number one is that he's not being real with them and he's not being honest with them up front. And so that's where there's that disconnect. Cause once they get here and it's not what they were expecting, it's not what they were told. They're not that starter right off the bat or put into that first team or whatever it might be. And then yes, you're starting to get into these rough practices where he's tough on you and he's, you know, talking down to you, if you will. Um, but more than anything, I just think he's, he's like, it's one thing to be a hard ass coach. And and still get along with your players, like, off the court. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, still have that good players relationship the, yeah. with them and whatnot where they can still go to you and laugh and whatever. It doesn't seem like I, he's that guy. Not at it, all. it seems like he's a hard ass on and off the court. And that's causing huge, uh, you know, ripples, in my opinion, with this team because you just – there's 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 no chemistry. It's the same thing there's like Terry no Winston, no family. And that's, and that's the biggest yeah. thing when you're on a team. It has to be a family. You have to play for one another. You have to believe in what you're playing for. And if you don't believe what the coach is selling you, then you're never going to be successful. And we've been successful to a certain extent with a couple of NIT runs and whatever because we've had some talent. You know, you had Vince Hunter. Early on, you had Julian Stone, Randy Culpepper, those guys. You had, you had some guys that could carry you to those type of seasons. But when you don't have those guys, those, that, that family culture is what – buys you those extra wins that's what gets you from a 20 and 14 team that Boston brags about you know <laughs> to a Ali brags about to a 25 and 9 team that's competing for an NCAA tournament and and there, it's just not there it's not there and and it's unfortunate you know um I, I, I don't feel know like he runs it like an NBA GM like you know what I mean like, like like not like a college you know experience it's like a business type of thing where one slip and you're gone you know, whether it's on the floor, whether it's off the floor, like there, there's not, and I don't think any kid that's messing up, whether it's with drugs, whether it's with school, should get some leeway. But some people are getting some leeway in this program, as we've seen through yeah. social media, yeah. and some are not. And it's just kind of like that NBA vibe where it's, you know, you're doing stuff for me, so I'm going to slide 
under the rug. Well, but you're messing honest, up. I'm going to blow this he, up. He's at a point where he he cannot get rid of. No, nope, yeah, and yeah, like you know. And I don't care. I'm sure everybody out there knows who we're talking about. We're talking about Omega Harris. Now, I don't know what the facts are, but I've seen some pictures circulating and whatever it is, what it is. We're not but reporting shit, is, but yeah, it, is I, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, you know, he's definitely – well, and I can't say he's not tough on him because he's, yeah, he's yeah. put him in the doghouse a few times. But he can't afford to get rid of Omega Harris at this point. You know, you're losing He won't Dominic even afford Artis. to put Harris and Artis on – I'm not on the floor at the same time. <laughs> you're losing Dominic Artis after this year. And, yeah, you've got some good young players coming up, but he, he's you need in a position Omega. where he cannot lose Omega. If he loses Omega next season, a shot, and, and, I mean, he might as well just step down right now, which he might as well anyway, in my opinion, but that's, that's besides the point. <laughs> so, you know, here's one of my questions I want to I mention. It's something that I've noticed over the last few games is that it seems like Dion Barrett has just kind of not played that, that role that – he was I, in the you, Mexico really, well, game. you saw him in New Mexico game, and you saw him break out, and you really felt like, all right, this is a guy that's going to come out, be be a sixth or seventh guy off the bench, and learn, be learn to, behind Dominic, yeah, and, and be able to 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 be productive. And and it just doesn't. It seemed like it hasn't happened. And at, at times, it seems like like in, for instance, in the FIU game, he he was barely even on the court. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what I don't understand what Tim Floyd is doing. You know, especially in a season like this. Wouldn't that be a time for you to bring in these guys, these freshmen, to get them going, to get them game experience when it really doesn't matter what the outcome of the game is? Looking at Chris Barnes, and, and I know um, I, I know that kid, uh, yeah, his name's, can you think of the Cam, uh, Cameron, uh, you know, had his father's death or whatever going through that, so he's been away from the team. But that is a trend, honestly. That is a trend that goes back to Floyd's days with the fucking Bulls, bro. I was reading some articles where they were bitching, or, or, or I think it was more the media was bitching about why isn't Jamal Crawford getting minutes. Uh, there was another guy. I don't, I don't know if it was Fi- – it might have been Marcus Pfizer, which is kind of crazy because Marcus Pfizer played under Tim Floyd. So you would think, like, oh, he would have some type of inside track to get on the floor. But they had three rookies. And I, don't, I don't think it was Elton Brand, but I know it was Jamal Crawford. I want to say it was Pfizer. And it might have been Eddie Curry. It might have been those three where people were like, okay, dude, we're fucking 10 and whatever. We're paying like shit, but these rookies are still – and I think that is just a trend under Tim Floyd. Going even back to his days at USC where it's like if you're not physically a four-star, five-star guy or or, or a Vince Hunter that's just physically imposing, you're not going to play if you don't – and that's where I go back to the practice thing because you look at those guys and to me that tells me they're not practicing well or they're not responding to the that's why you have to and you hit that shit perfectly i like where this podcast is going because you you that that's where i feel i feel these guys aren't practicing well enough and they could be very good game players but a tim floyd practice is so fucking demanding where your dick better be straight if it wolves to the right we're kicking you out i'd be like you get what i'm trying to say it's it's really military laden almost and i think some of these freshmen just don't they've never had that they've been the greatest they sometimes i mean shit i i've been in high school baseball i didn't go to fucking practice half the time so you can see some of these kids that are you know didn't go to ranger junior college like i went to they're, they're, they're having these offers they're getting these opportunities and i think when they come here to utip floyd gets on their ass they're gonna half-ass it in practice and what does that mean for tim floyd you're not gonna fucking play but this like i said this whole trend of young guys and freshmen I think that goes back to his Bulls days, reading articles and even looking at some of the guys at USC where they opt to leave early. You know, the, the quote that everybody's throwing around is Floyd's quote was, my guys get one offer and they're off to as Lama Blad or whatever he said when he was at SC. But I think that really, really goes back to those days. And it really shows that 
it's it's really hard to play for Tim Floyd. Yeah. Like, like not only just getting on the floor, but being able to adapt to to his system. And there's just a really really select few. Obviously, recently it's hard to, to to bring that up. Maybe you can say three legitimate guys: Cooper, Lang, and, and Washburn. But I mean, I think there's just a special type of breed of player and a breed of person that you have to be able to be able to take what Tim Floyd's teaching and how rough he can be around the edges and, and use that for good. And I think these kids nowadays they're they're told that they're great. They're they're fed they're fed cotton candy their whole life. When Tim when Tim feeds them a shit show about their practice. I don't think they can handle that. And that's yeah. just my opinion on that. That's, that really goes back to why I posed that question about these kids struggling in practice. And now you're seeing it with freshmen like, you know, like Chris Barnes, maybe even in, in, in Floyd had said this about, about Cameron, Tim Cameron, about his practice habits and why he hasn't seen the floor. And I think that is a 60 on, on a 60 to a hundred percent grade. I think that's 60% of why you're not seeing this freshman see the floor. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the case, but, you know, you, you got to start thinking about the future. I mean, this season's over. I mean, yeah. uh, let's be honest. You've won a couple games, but you're not going to make a run in the conference tournament. You still might not even make the conference you tournament. You might not even make the conference tournament. But, no, really, I mean, it, this, this isn't a team that's going to go win, what is it, four days in a row or five days in a row? Is it five days now? Twelve, eight, six, four, two, eight, twelve, eight, four, two, or is it whatever it is, four or five days, you know, you're not going to make that – that run and so you really got to start thinking about the future and start you know worrying about these freshmen yeah definitely so I'm, I'm gonna pose you know kind of looking ahead there, there was something interesting I want to get your take on this one as well because it, it kind of goes with the text that I'm telling you right that I'm showing you right now um you know some information we're kind of getting on the spot on the rest podcast maybe we'll share it with you in a little bit but the letter your pops or you got that email Last week, all the season ticket holders, been season ticket holders for years. Uh, what were your thoughts on that letter? That's all I'm going to ask. What were your thoughts Let on that Let me ask letter? you something. I'm going to change it up. Let me ask you something. How many athletic directors out there, okay, do you think have to justify what their coaches are doing? Let me, let me, how many people, how many athletic directors out there do you think are sending those letters to season ticket holders, bro? Let me ask you a, a, a stupid question. How many athletic directors refer to – mid-major basketball as group of five like that that and your question together shows it's, how it's, just, it's just out of touch you know that not only that but wh- who, what do you take us for what do you take us for now and also you know he I don't have anything wrong with Keith Adams I don't have anything against Keith Adams she's proven herself having back-to-back 29 she shouldn't even been in that letter yeah she shouldn't even have been in that letter she's having a down year and that's understandable there's going to be years there's going to be times where you're going to be rebuilding and you're not going to see and, but there's reasons why years. why exactly. she had nine years exactly. and they won 28 fucking exactly. games last year but to equate <laughs> winning back-to-back seasons 29 wins making it to the nit finals with i know i see as we're talking here you mississippi state a team that utep had on the on the ropes is giving kentucky all it can handle but you know to, to equate what Keith has done with, oh, Tim Floyd is averaging 20 wins, that's a bunch of bullshit. Straight look bullshit. at who Tim Floyd is beating. And now look at who he's losing to. You know, you cannot sit there and tell me that this guy is living up to the expectations of anyone. Anyone. No prominent boosters, no fans, no coaches, nothing. People around this conference see UTEP now as a laughing stock. I mean, when you, you know those games like, you used to see a game on the schedule, and you'd be like, oh, all right, there we go. Dub, There's a W. Dub. There's a W. That's, that's Shoot, we did it for three years on now. this fucking podcast. That's what UTEP is now. 
And, and that's where Tim Floyd has taken us. So for, for Bob Stahl to go out there and try to justify what he's done is a load of shit. And, and come on, who, who, what do you take us for? Like, we're not buying what you're selling. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. Just the simple fact that an athletic director would have to write that type of letter is, a, is just, it's beyond me, man. I don't get it. And, and what's more, fun, and the question I want to ask Bob Stoll, this is a big time question I want to ask Bob Stoll. When you look at, at what UTSA, North Texas have done and being proactive with their football programs, obviously we're talking uh, basketball, but, you know, they had mediocre football the past couple of years. It wasn't high level. Look at what they both did. They went out there, uh, North Texas got rid of Dan McCartney, and, and uh, UTSA got rid of, uh, of, uh, of Coker, and look what happened. North Texas had a huge turnaround. Yeah, they made a bowl at 5-7, and seven, but you're, if you would have told me that that 1-11 team would have won five games this year, I would have been like, yo, pass what you smoking, player, because that's some bullshit. And then look at what UTSA's done, not only on the field, but in recruiting proactive athletic directors that are not going to sit around and let their programs deteriorate and not let – we've talked about this before – it's a business. If your food ain't right, if your cook ain't right, if your cook ain't right, and nobody's buying the fucking steak that's 20 bucks in your big-time meal, UTEP basketball, what's your big-time meal? What's your steak? UTEP basketball. It, 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 it just blows my mind, and I want to ask Tim Floyd, in this world of proactiveness, why do you have so much confidence in a guy like Tim Floyd that has publicly embarrassed this program, not university, not town, the basketball program that we all cherish so dearly, why does he get that extra tape compared to these other athletic directors that, 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 are, that are making proactive decisions on a guy like Der- Gary, Larry Coker, Dan McCartney, names, fo- college football guys that have – Coker's a national championship winner, right? Yeah, and, and Dan McCartney has been a part of some really good Big Ten. I don't know off the top of my head, but he's a decent name. So that is my question. Why, when you're looking at other athletic directors in your own realm, and all of a sudden now – you know, when, when North Texas and came, when North Texas and UTSA came into Conference USA, what were we doing? Dubs, yeah. dubs, dubs, fuck out of here. We're going to rap mash them in football. We're going to sweep them in basketball. Now UTSA is 9-9 nine and nine in Conference USA, 4-1. and one. UTSA went to the, the, the UTEP New Mexico slash New Mexico Bowl. North Texas has kind of raised their profile in terms of their facilities. Maybe, maybe not their, their on-field performance yet, but that is what frustrates me the more. Is, is you, you, you talked about – athletic directors, and I know you're, you're probably hinting at Ohio State, at, at Michigan, at these big-time schools, but even shit, the North Texas and the UTSAs are Better, taking care of business. It's, it's, like, a, it's, like, an MB, it's like an NBA it's like D-League team. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it, it's sad, man. It really is. You know, you hit it on the head, you're talking about it, and, and I just think about, you know, when, when schools like North Texas and UTSA came into to the conference, not only did we think, like, you know, those are dubs or whatever, but we considered our programs higher than head them. and shoulders. Like, above we were just, we were just better than them. And, and we, you know, we were talking at the time, like, man, you know, we're in this watered down conference and we're part of this. And we don't want, like if they were holding yeah. us down and maybe that was true at the time, I don't even know anymore, but right now it's flipped and we're the ones holding them down. Oh. Like we're the, we're the bottom of the barrel when it comes to conference USA now in football and basketball, oh. you know, it was one thing when it was just football, we're not a football school and you can make your excuses there. But when you're a basketball school and now you're, you know, sitting at four and 13 or 14 or whatever the hell it is, come on. I mean, it's just, it's sad, man. It's sad. I, I, I cannot believe that, 
Right, can you can you, have you asked if you could say what what you just got? Can you can you put that out there? Oh, I, I can hint at it, boy. There's there's a rumor floating around, unconfirmed rumor, uh, from sources that are saying that all the prominent boosters met with with not Alicia last week and basically said they want Floyd and and, and stole to remain. And see, and that's that, the buddy buddy system, that exactly, in my opinion. Exactly, exactly. That you know why you're you're asking the prominent boosters who are buddies with these guys who are going and having beers with these guys. You think they're gonna tell you, yeah, fire my friend? Hell no, they're not gonna say that. But look at your attendance. Look at your overall. Look at your camp on ratings. <laughs> just just look at the attendance at the basketball nope. game this past week. It looked like a junior high game. Nope. It it was what fifteen hundred people. Maybe twenty five hundred max. Thursday was better than Saturday, and that's not saying much. <laughs> it was it was it was atrocious. It was pathetic. And and you're telling me that you're basing this off of what a couple guys who are buddy buddy with these this coach and this AD are saying? That's that's terrible, man. That's complete disconnect from the top down. From there's no leadership, no administration. It's just it, it's it's. You know what? I'm gonna say this. It's a, it's that fucking El Paso mentality, bro. It's, it's that El Paso mentality, that buddy-buddy shit. I see it at my fucking job every day. Like, I really – that that's where I've been discouraged to – kind of taking it on a personal note. In my, in my line of work, there is that buddy-buddy system, and I'm not part of that. So I when I applied, you know, two, three years ago for four or five supervisor jobs, their best friends got that shit. And I think that's an El Paso fucking culture – I really believe that. I think that's an El Paso culture, and these are El Paso prominent businessmen that are pumping millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the program, and they don't want their friends fucking, they don't want their friends out, and that's what's going to bring back this program, and that's where you're going to see 10,000 in, in football next year, and maybe even 4,000 in basketball next year, so it is what it is. It's definitely frustrating. I felt I was really, I felt we got a little, a little bit off our chest there when it comes to UTEP basketball, because there's definitely a lot to talk about. You get up with a a de facto bye week on Thursday. They'll return to the fourth Saturday, hosting UTSA at seven o'clock start. So a little bit of rest. Time to Matt Williams needs to get healthy. You know th- this kid's really just running on on heart right now. You know we haven't we didn't really talk about that, but Matt Williams is is, is beat up. You know had that broken nose. He's got the foot problem. He turned an ankle on that on that Southern road trip, the Southern Miss and La Tech. This kid's out there just playing with pure heart and yeah. love for the game. So. You know, definitely needed that Thursday or oh, just a full week. I know Floyd talked about after the game and wanted to give him rest, and that's going to be huge just to be able to keep your head above water from that 13, 14 spot. But let's switch gears here, talk a little UTEP football, and obviously the biggest news uh, that's happened in UTEP football, the man, our guy, our boy, the legend, UTEP's all-time leader rusher, Aaron Jones, rightfully decides to go to the NFL uh, I've kind of I, I put my take on it. Uh, you know, got kind of emotional a little bit. I wrote an article about Aaron, probably one of the most thoughtful things I think I've ever really put together. But you know, we we we've been talking about this. We say you need to go, yeah. you need to go. And, and I got a I got a really good chance to get some good firsthand information from Lee Steinberg, his agent. Now I get it sometimes. You know, they're they're agents. They're gonna hype it up a little bit. But I really like the fact that he said that that well, I found out. You know, we were talking about NFL draft grades. Well, draft grades only are given to the first second rounds. Yeah, I didn't realize if, that if you're outside the second round, you're automatically told to go back to school. But Jones's his ability to catch and his breakaway speed. He's gonna go between rounds three and five. Kind yeah, of where we I said. That's what I said. Told we'll, you a while back. Yeah. Highest third round, but I think he's a fourth or fifth round guy. And, and if he's in that mold, what do we say? Go, bro. Definitely. Peel wheels Definitely. and go. And, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad. And not only that, but he's got a really strong support system, starting with his family. 
you know, obviously his agents, he's got a damn super agent and they're just professional guys representing so many successful athletes and, and, and Sean Coopler. Yeah. You know, Sean Coogler is a guy that, that, that I really didn't feel had any ill will feelings or whatever. We obviously know that this is, that's been his ticket to, you know, for any type of success he's had mm-hmm. been Aaron Jones. But I really applaud Sean Coogler for, 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 for being stand-up about this from the get-go. You know, like, like he said, if, if, if they say Aaron can go this year and play, go. Would I love to have him back? You bet your fucking dick, basically. <laughs> say, you know, and, and, and I really got to give Sean for, for reaching out and, and Every job Aaron gets or every opportunity, Sean Cougar is going to be kind of behind it. Maybe not directly. It's obviously going to be Aaron's yeah. talents and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's unfortunate for fans. It's unfortunate for UTEP's offense, you know, to be for real. But is this, is this a positive for the UTEP offense where now you need to fucking develop your passing game? You need to develop those offensive lines? You need to develop yeah, I mean, that's, that's the running thing, back? But, but the question is, are you going to do it? You know, it, yeah, I would, I would definitely say this is an opportunity where you realize, hey, I don't have my horse anymore. You know, I don't have this guy that I could count on. 25 carries isn't going to get me 150 yards. You know, I, I, I have person. to do something different. And we've talked about that for years, though, now with Sean. I mean, is, is he going to do it? I don't I – don't, I, I wouldn't say yes. Like, I, I can't sit here and Obviously, be like, there's no job pressure on him. Yeah, I, but I just couldn't sit here and be like, yeah, that is what he's going to do. I just don't I, – I don't see it as a gimme, as a guarantee, but it's something that should be at least The book about. says you're I mean, supposed to do it. You've got some good young running backs back there coming up, but do you have somebody that's going to be able to replace the production of Aaron Jones? Or two or three so. guys. And, but here's your next issue. We, we're, we're cool with Ryan Metz. Like, we like Ryan Metz. Yeah. We think he's a good quarterback. But is he that guy that's going to be able to, to start, you know, running a – Carry an offense. Yeah, carry an offense. Exactly. Is he that guy? Maybe. But I haven't seen it from him. I, I've seen it at times. Right. I've seen flashes. I've seen a lot of promising things. But I, I don't see him as this guy that's just going to take over games like you see from some of these quarterbacks yeah. in Conference USA that go and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that we have that in us right now. We haven't put enough – into recruiting quarterbacks, in fact, or receivers, or receivers at that. I mean, we've got a couple guys on the outside, but you know, you look at, at the, the most recent quarterback commit that we got, uh, Calvin Borrow. Uh, really, you know, undiscovered guy, not talked about, not rated, not, not, not a not, strong not, arm, really. It, I, and I don't, I don't know where we're going with that. I mean, maybe, maybe he comes in, he, he shows us what he can really do, and he proves us wrong. But at this point, it's like. Why are we putting a scholarship into that quarterback when we really need somebody that's going to be able to take these reins here, if not, you know, next year, the year after, the year following that? I mean, I don't know, man. I I don't know that we're going to be making any changes anytime soon. From what they're doing, you know, recruiting-wise, it sure as hell don't seem like they're looking to start passing anytime soon. It's going to be more of the same next year, ground and pound, or at least try to boring the middle and, and, I mean – We'll see how and the tight end position too. I mean, you add David Lucero as we jump into uh, kind of a little bit of recruiting. You you add David Lucero, former Boise State tight end, who looks the part athletically. You know, I I, I really question to see how how he fits in this offense. I know Boise State. He did a couple of decent things at Boise when he played his redshirt year, but. Josh Weeks from BYU is another transfer tight end that, that, you know, you figure those two guys are going to try to be your Kent Taylor, uh, you know, Hayden Plink kind of replacements in a sense. But, Kent, I mean, Plink really is a guy that's probably going to get drafted along with Aaron Jones. I would not be surprised if he, even Darren LaFosta get drafted too. So 
that's going to be interesting. But I think really UTEP needs to hit hard on some tra- grad transfer receivers. I, I really, I, that is my biggest concern. I, I'm actually personally I'm comfortable with Mets. I just think they haven't gave him enough help play calling wise and receiver wise. And I think UTEP really needs to be in that market for a big time impact transfer to at receiver, maybe even a running back. You know, just something to kind of give you a stop back because you mentioned our stop gap. You mentioned all these young running backs that are there, but none of them other than Aaron Jones, I'm going back to Trayvon Hughes, even David Ham before he was released. None of these guys really sprouted up and were like, okay, yeah. there's Aaron's, there's Aaron's back. There's the guy that can spell Aaron three or four carries and, and, and keep the man moving. And, and that's what's going to be interesting, I think. And, and Sean said it, they're going to be big in this transfer market. You know, you only have 12 scholarships. I would be surprised if they sign make more than 15 guys and, and a handful of those guys get gray started to fill some of these scholarships for transfer guys. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge get uh, for UTEP. And, and, and just to, looking at some of the guys that they brought in, uh, the JUCO guys, they, they signed three. Lucero we talked about. The other guy, I'm, I'm really excited about this kid, Kalai Griffin. I mean, this is a kid that you talk about under-recruited for what – his physical attributes have kind of that hybrid safety linebacker guy that, that you need in that three, four defense. Hell to me, he even looks like a guy you can even put his hand on the ground in certain situations and be like, go get, go get the passer. That is a huge get six months, 215 pounds. Looks about 230 pounds, honestly on film. He was just everywhere last year, 40 tackles, 10, uh, 10 assists. 30 solos, four tackles for loss, a force fumble, five pass breakups. And he's a guy that they would move around, put him at the line of image, drop him back into coverage. Another special teams body UTEP can use. I really, really like this signing in Kalai Griffin. And the other athlete that they brought in was a defensive back in, in Kahani Smith, another long, lengthy 6'1", 180-pounder out of, out of uh, Los Angeles. Nice get. I think he's going to help. I think he's going to definitely help that what I felt was kind of an issue at times last year, protecting that slot, even tight ends coming out. I think he can really kind of match up with his length, has some good size, another productive guy, 11 pass breakups, three touchdowns last year as a defensive back. So you you got these two guys that that you're bringing in on the defensive side that are really, I think, are going to help. And we really haven't talked about defense, but I think when you look at UTEP's defense, they did great in, in, in filling these spots, but pass rush is still a big concern of mine. And you, yeah, you're Always. bringing back Alvin. This Kalai Griffin guy can probably be a blitz package type of guy. But going on kind of the transfer market, I think UTEP also needs to look at a pass rusher. Yeah. Somebody, hell, I, if you get lucky and bring an SEC pass rusher, I don't care if he went to Kentucky. <laughs> Bring the motherfucker in here, yeah. but I mean that's always an issue, you know. Pass rush definitely, but um, real quick, I want to get your take on on Fields, on Josh Fields. What 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 do you think the chances are that UTEP could actually land this kid? Obviously, we missed out on his brother, and you know, right now is a time where yeah, Aaron Jones is gone. So is this something? Is this really a possibility? I mean, I know a lot of people are excited. About I think it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it to you this way. I'm gonna go on a hundred percent base. I think it's. 40, 40, 40 of it is him coming here to UTEP. The other 40% is going to New Mexico for one New Mexico's offense. They run that triple option, as you know, and then hit one of his best friends, Q Drennan's a wide receiver. That was one of their top receivers this year. You know, they throw the ball with seven times, they had like four or five touchdowns. I think that's going to be a factor. Now that other 20, if a power five school offers this kid, which it hasn't, I'm surprised honestly that it hasn't happened because he can, he ran in kind of a downhill pro-style offense, but he really would fit in a Texas Tech spread, that one cut, eat and go 
Texas Tech, I thought, was going to offer him last year. Around this time when they had him up there for a junior day, he had a couple unofficial visits. That hasn't happened yet. We're, what, two weeks away? Yeah. So I really think it's down to New Mexico and UTEP. Like I said, if there's a late Power 5 team has a decommit or something and they maybe had Josh on their radar as a third, fourth guy and they handed him an offer, I think he's gone. I think he's one of those P5, those El Paso kids that gets that Power 5 offer and splits. And that's not bad. It's not knocking yeah, a kid at all. But I think that's kind of where his mindset. But I think it's between UTEP and New Mexico. And I know for a fact, uh, I don't know if we can get Sean, <clears throat> no, get Sean Cougar in trouble for this, but Sean Cougar has told me personally that, that they've been on they've been on him. In term, and he kind of threw Mike Price under the bus when you talk about his brother's recruitment because he said that not once did Mike bring uh, Jack, who's was the younger brother's yeah. name, to the facilities. And he's probably been there at least, Sean said, at least 10 to 15 times since his sophomore year. So this is a guy that Sean Cougar is all in on recruiting himself. This is not – a running backs coach or position coach or, or the El Paso recruiter. This is Sean Cougars. He wants his kids so, so bad that he would, he's going to do anything that he can to get this guy in terms of everything between the lines and le- legalities. But yeah, I think the, the only way I see him leaving is power five or, the, or his boy at New Mexico, Q Drenum says, Hey bro, come ball. I mean, and New Mexico has a lot to sell right now. Should they just want a fucking ball game? They've been improving. Bob Davey has that shit rolling. Their, their recruiting has, is kind of the same as UTEP where they don't recruit highly, but their development has yeah. been kind of head and shoulders above UTEP because I feel, honestly, I feel what Davey's doing. I thought two or three years ago when, when we went to the ball, I thought that's where Sean Cooler was going. And now it's kind of shifted a little bit. But definitely, I think it's between New Mexico and UTEP, and hopefully we can get this kid fields because I don't know if he'll be make an impact next year. But I think over the years, you can see I'm, – I'm not going to compare anybody to Aaron Jones. He's Obviously, we can compare some people to Aaron Jones now that we have a measurable, but this kid can be a productive guy, a 1,000-yard rusher. Also, he's talented to catch in the ball. Back. That's going to be huge for any UTEP quarterback. So, definitely, he visited this weekend, as y'all saw up on the rush. That was huge. And I said he's been around, so that wasn't really big news in a sense, but it's just good that he gets that one-on-one, finally that one-on-one connection with the teammates, with the coaches, and hopefully that can sway his decision because Lord knows we need some running back. No doubt about it. Most recent commit for us, McKee out of uh, Las Cruces right down the the road. Um, Obviously, he's committed as a fullback, but the kid is a standout linebacker. You think – you think there's there's nah, anything in the cards for him? Nah, because back. you you lose Fossa and, and and frankly the guys that they moved there last year, if 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 Lafossa got hurt last year, UTEP's going single back. You yeah. know what I mean? Like those backs. I know Christopher Christian. He's, he's, I know his family real well, so I don't want to you know throw shade on him. But you know those guys aren't FBS ready type guys. Those guys weren't up to the standard. You lost Sloan Spiller, a, a guy from Katy that transferred that I thought was going to be the next really good fullback behind Darren Lufasa. So you need him. Yeah. Like you really, and, and, and he's physically ready, bro. I mean, a 6'1", 230 cat that just dominated these, these combines. Like there, there's that knock where say, Oh, anybody can look good in shorts and a t-shirt running around. But when you're 6'1", 230, when you're chiseled out as a 17 year old and you're dominating these fucking, these cone drills and all this, I'm really surprised at the Pac-12 and Arizona, uh, Arizona State, uh, you know, those type of schools didn't kind of look at him. And, and I'm not saying offer him, or, but just look at him. And, and, get, and he was getting looked at, I think UNLV, you know, that's not really saying much, but you could kind of see where 
it's that stigma, New Mexico kids. You yeah. know, there's a stigma there. You look at his. I was looking at his film, and I'm thinking, God damn, the offensive lines he's playing are just so slow. Like it's just so de- slow developing compared even to looking at an El Paso high school team. Like it's it's so different. It, you know, and yeah, of course you can go say, well, Estrus's team smashed El Paso teams that had in the past couple years, but there is that stigma, and I think that's why you didn't see this kid pick up. You know, a, a pile of offers, but I like that. I really like the physicality because Sean Cougar always talks about if a kid can play for his freshman year, they got to be ready physically. This kid, to me, shows that he's ready physically. So that, that's a really good get. It fills a need. You keep a local kid home. You kind of keep that Las Cruces imprint out. You know, the past couple of years, you've gotten the best kids out of Las Cruces. Kavika, now you're getting McKee in here. So I, I think it's good on a lot of angles, but real interested to see how he can how he can transition because he might be Next year, when they're in Norman, Oklahoma, and they call 24 dive, that first play, he might be at fullback. So he's got to get up to speed quick, no doubt about it. I wanted to take a look at who uh, who we still have outstanding offers to, um, and who's actually still not, not much, not committed. It's, it's, there's not the offers have been. They just offered a JUCO offensive lineman. You basically have six. Well, okay, so right now you have probably. I'm going to say you have seven scholarships. You have 12 out of this year. So you have about seven scholarships filled that you're, they're going to be on the roster, whether they redshirt next year. And they just offered a JUCO tight end or a JUCO offensive line. And, and the offers have been very sparse. Sean Cougar, I really, really feel he's waiting for this transfer market. Like, and, and, this, and this could happen within the next couple of weeks. So guys, you know, didn't show up for the second semester and all of a sudden they're popped up at a community college somewhere. Or, you know, they don't show up for spring football and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I'm transferring. I'm just trying to work on my grades even to the summer. So the offers as of late have been really sparse compared to in the past. You know, I mean, it seemed like every year the past couple years, that's at least a 500-word write-up on who they offered during the week. But because there's only 12 scholarships and now I feel maybe only three or four left for this class in terms of high school and, and remaining JUCO guys, they're holding those offers very, very close to the vest. And, and I think because they're expecting an influx of, of possible offers to transfer. Kids. You know, noticing here on ESPN, I'm actually a little bit off on, on what, what we're doing at quarterback. Kind of surprised with some of these, these offers that we had out. Chase Cord, a number one, number 21 ranked quarterback That's out Pete's, of uh, right? Peoria in That's Arizona. I'm, yeah, I'm sure he ended up at Boise State, though. Uh, still got an offer out to the 38th ranked quarterback, Seth Washington, six foot 193 pounds out of uh, Episcopal in Dallas. He's ranked three star, 76 grade by by ESPN. He's still undecided. Cam Rome, I wanted that um, kid. He yeah, he verbal exactly. To another quarterback there. Um, got another offer out to Hanif Muhammad, cornerback out of Lee City, Texas, and also another quarterback, Jerry Crane. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, 5'11", 211. I think they offered him last year, too. So he, really? he, he, yeah, that's interesting there. He got an offer last year when, when they hired Peace. And I don't know what word Those are the went. only three that are, that are uh, that, according to ESPN, which isn't always, you know, 100% accurate. But I know those are the only exactly three that are, <laughs> that, are unde- that are undecided still that have offers outstanding. So, um, well, at least we're out there recruiting some quarterbacks. I don't know if it's going to work out for us or not. But I like that Alex Fernandez kid. I've, I've been saying it. I, I, I like his footwork. He's a really, really good athlete. I, he could definitely use a red shirt, but that Orion Mets replacement candidate yeah. for sure. You know, he's a three-star guy himself, so that's a, that's a decent sign to get somebody with some – now, and he only had Ivy League offers. Why? I don't know, especially when you're playing in, in one of the toughest districts in Texas in that 6A district that he was in. But definitely going to be an interesting next couple of weeks because, it, it, like I've told people, 
that asks me questions about Utah football recruiting is going to be quiet right now. It's going to be your normal. There's not going to be any head-turning signings, but come May, come June, come the transfer market after this, this that, that it, Sean Cougar really needs to hit this transfer market hard. And like I said, to, to me, the targets, wide receiver, running back if you get lucky, maybe a blocker and a pass, an offensive lineman and a pass rusher. You really need that. Everywhere else, you're pretty much set in terms of bodies. Like he's done a good job of building that foundation where there's bodies there. Quantity, quality, you got to up that up. And I think that's where the transfer market, Sean maybe doesn't want to do that, but I think now he can do that because he has the foundation, because he has guys that are freshmen that are redshirting. So you're not hindering that guy's, you know, development because you're bringing in so-and-so from so-and-so college. It's really going to supplement him. I think, honestly, you've got to give Sean Cougar as much as we rag on him, as much as we don't like his offense, you got to give him the way that he's kind of built the roster and built the program up in a sense of having guys there and having just bodies, you know, developing bodies. Now, whether they're going to produce or not, it's the next level, but it just, it just kind of feels good to, to going into a national signing day and kind of saying, okay, you know, you have needs, of course. UTEP always is going to have needs. UTEP football is never going to be in Alabama where you have all, everything checked across, but it's good to know that you're not in a dire need where it's like, shit, we got to get – shit, we got to get for like there's a great balance. So now you can be picky. You can be choosy. You don't have to offer everybody. You just sit around, you wait for that transfer market, hit it hard, bring it here and good luck next year. Cause that schedule is tough as shit. Yeah. We've talked about that plenty. Um, Got a whole summer to talk about that. <laughs> I guess, I guess one good thing though, that we didn't mention tonight is that Will Hernandez is coming back. You know, we, yeah, we, we told, were, yeah, that would have been pissed if we walked away not talking we about were, that. We were talking about, you know, Aaron Jones, a couple of weeks back and we were expecting him to announce when we first heard about it. There was also talk that Will might announce too, that he's leaving. I think he looked, I think he looked though. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's a fact, but I'm pretty sure he looked. I think it's a lot harder for guys like him to stand out as an underclassman, yeah. you know, than a, than a, especially on a foreign, like a skill player, five and 17. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's tough for him, but I, I mean, either way, one day he'll be playing on no Sundays. Doubt. And I think, I think Will likes the college experience. Like I, I, I like we're looking at kind of his social media when he, when he announced, I didn't even know he was on social media, but I think he's just having fun. Like, you know, Aaron, I, I think Aaron had fun too, but I mean, it's a business bro. at the end of the day. No. I mean, Aaron, Aaron had to go. Will, you know, it, it would have been great. I still think he would have gotten maybe third, fourth round the latest because pro football focus is all on his nuts. Very, very, very well deserved. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. You know, that's a very formidable, uh, you know, publication that feeds info to the NFL. So there's no doubt he's on GM's radar. But that's, that really, that's going to open the door for other guys on the team because there's going to be a shitload of scouts watching where Hernandez this year. So if you're Eddie Senegal, if you're, uh, you know, one of the skill guys, even defensive backs, Get yourself ready because you're gonna have some you're gonna have some scouts there watching and it's real good for Will. He's gonna come back. He's gonna get a lot of pub next year, which is always good for the program. Wouldn't be surprised if he's a preseason All American. Wouldn't be if he's a preseason for an offensive line mode. Is it like a Nagurski or something? Yeah. I think for interior linemen, that's always good for the program. And Will, I talked to him a couple times. Haven't interviewed him as much as other guys, but he's a real good guy. Soft spoken, always yes sir, always smiles, looks you in the eye, respects your questions, gives you that that kind of attention. You you know you you've interviewed guys where you can tell they're not into it. He's always kind of he always he, he, it's fun, it's fun for, for for him, and I'm so glad that he comes back and and that's gonna you know that's gonna open the door up for whoever's running behind him to be able to get some yards. So 
real interested, real excited to see spring football coming up. Definitely going to have some uh, some inf- more info come about as school starting. Hell, might even have a couple of transfers we didn't even know about. That, you know, Sean Cooker did a good job of keeping that under the vest until kind of the second semester starts. So we'll figure all that out. And hope it doesn't look like it, though. I haven't heard no rumblings, no coaching changes, which is the positive. You know, That's because uh, we, we like the coaching staff that they brought in last year, and it was good to kind of keep them in. And, you know, we, we saw certain strides towards the second half of the year. It was definitely a lot better in the second half of the year. But still, I mean, you just, they're just not getting it done offensively. But you get this team, you get these guys with a full spring, a second full spring with, with, with the schemes, with the coaches, new players, and, hell, who knows, maybe we go up there and beat Oklahoma next year. Ah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hey, you never know, man. Mississippi State's over here giving Kentucky all they can handle, even though that game's over. That was over at halftime. I That's, thought it was uh, over at halftime. That was kind of a shocker. I really thought I really thought Kentucky was going to roll them. It's not the same team UTEP played, of course, but still, I mean, you're talking about UTEP really should have beat that beat. They were up 12 and, in the second half. And, uh, and that's a team that's hanging with Kentucky. It's pretty much – Always got what is it with Tim Floyd and those ESPN? There's always that one game where it's like, holy shit, I didn't know this team could do that. I'm yeah, a but couple- at the time, you still had Terry win, yeah. and and you know you you had a lot better outlook on the season. You had a you know you more optimism as as, as for what was going to happen. Artists had a good start. You would have never point. expected them to be where they're at right now. No at worst, we thought we were going to be 15, at 17, 14, yeah, something all. like that. 15, 17 wins, and, and expectations weren't high, but they weren't now 351. We'll be, lucky, we'll be really lucky to get to double digits, man. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, shit, I, that's all I got to say. That's it, man. It's been good. We're back. One episode of the Rush Podcast down. And 2017. Plenty more to go. 2017 it is. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Y'all know where to find us, MinorRush.com. Follow Alex on Minor Rush. Uh, also on Twitter, at SBNMinorRush. You can get in touch with us through email, SBNMinorRush at gmail.com or Facebook.com slash MinorRush. And wherever else y'all can see us, find us. Drop whatever, it in the top poppy. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.